Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. All right, so the strike is over. I don't know. The WGA, the, the writer strike. Like, yeah, um, it's tentative. Like, that's like the that's the hot, hot uh, word on the street. The hot. I don't goss. know. But as the auto manufacturer, you know, not the manufacturers, but as, as they go head to head with the workers, that's some hot strike action. Mm-hmm. The people are rising up. All right. And we're not we're not taking it from you anymore. I think it's amazing. Keep it up. Keep up the striking. Let's, uh, let's get what we want. Let's get what we deserve as workers. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, well, boy. It, in in uh, other news, uh, Brooke attempts to make money. In, in Brooke tries to make money corner over here. <laughs> um, I I really I had I had a really good week on offer up selling Ooh, furniture. Very nice. Would you Would you get rid of? Well, it made me a little sad because it was my beautiful dining room table. Oh, yeah. That's I a know. nice one. But you know what? She'll be happy in her new home. It dining was, rooms, tables come and go, you know. They do. And, you know, when I, I, I'm sure anyone can relate when you're at the point of selling your belongings, you're like not doing great. <laughs> right. And yeah, then they're, yeah. Well, it, we're we're having a tough time, you know, like it's just yes. the truth financially, right? Yes. And so it hurts. You're like, okay, I was going to hang on to this so that maybe one day when I had a place with a dining room again, like I love this table, but you're like, it's been three and a half years with no fucking dining area and I can get nice money for it. But I had a moment where this one lady wanted it and I just did not like the cut of her jib and ha. I I lied and I said someone else came to get it that I'd made a mistake and then like she was badgering me and I was like I don't want her to have it and it Here's was just- a, you don't have to like like this is it's it, the people that come out of the woodwork when you have things for sale and the aggressiveness of it it's totally up to you it's almost just like how hard it is just to like buy a house and people write these like beautiful letters or, or you'll just be like I don't like that person I don't want to sell them my shit you know it's fine yeah. and it was because I I'm really not sentimental uh about any of my other stuff uh, it was just because this was my like I'm a big girl now first dining room table homeowner you know and boy has have things changed um but I think it was just the me wanting it to go to someone who had that same energy that like I had when I yeah bought the table and I think this lady was going to turn around and sell it for more money because no that's I saw, what I'm that's yeah, where I was, I was like, going of course you. she was no. 
Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, so it was. went to a nice couple and she ended up being a Dutch girl also. Oh, amazing. I love that. Good, good. Yeah, well, well, at least you're kind of like you're paying it forward and you got paid at the same time, you know? Yes. Um. So welcome to Sidework Podcast. Hi. And my mental breakdown. <laughs> I'm your host, Brooke Van Poplin. I'm your other host, Andrea Wallace. <laughs> Do you guys want to buy things from my home? Yes or no? <laughs> I've got fun clothes. I've got too many purses. I've got a bunch of Sidework Podcast t-shirts Everything's to unload. for sale. <laughs> <laughs> strange times but then i sold an old uh a really cool old vintage chair for a buck 25 which hey i love it so i i had a good i had a good uh selling weekend out of the old garage nice i mean it almost does kind of make you want to like lean into be like being that aggressive lady who like wants it wants the table really bad so then you can turn around and like you know but i think if that's the case like you also have to if you're going to turn around and do it plus your table was in like really amazing condition obviously you know so it's like i knew the right person who understood like that it's a true like 1940s vintage piece was gonna appreciate the price tag on it yeah absolutely um well guys you know are you following us on TikTok? Are you enjoying our TikTok? Are you following us on Instagram? Did you like and subscribe? Did you do all the things? (laughs) Go do all the things. Um, Have you been liking to, I don't know, because I always run the ads. I don't run the ads. I play the podcast on uh, Spotify and then on Apple's just to see if the ads are hitting, if they're being placed and I got to say it. We're just being attacked with Juvederm, Botox. First it was lip fillers a year ago, but um, I don't know. They've done the demo and they decided we all That's really, really we need, need Botox. Yep. That's so weird. You know, I get the I get the emails like every week that are just like approve this ad and nothing. I, I, I mean, sometimes if you skip a week, they just are like, I guess we're going to run it, you know, yeah, and yeah, sometimes totally. they just slip through the cracks. But I have never been like, I approve this Juvederm Botox. Like, yeah. ad, so. I know we're not approving it. It's just sneaking in there. It's I mean, just, I, you know, whatever. You know what? So I got approved for t- TMJ Botox, which uh-huh. is a huge deal. My insurance is covering it, is saving my life. It is like really, truly wonderful because to go and pay out of pocket, they have to put so much goddamn Botox into your jaw muscles because it's a big boy, you know? Yeah. They're really strong. Like I could I could crush walnuts with this jaw, honey. You know wow, what I'm wow, saying? Wow. Um, so it's so much out of pocket to do it. And, um, so I went in and it's at this doctor, he does like a fucking in and out people out the door, sort of like they're lined up to get their paychecks. It's Botox Friday at the neurologist. And so everyone who's approved through their insurance, this guy's just like in there, like with his, he's just, like, he's just ready to go. Just, like double fisted. Yep. Yep. Just stabbing people's foreheads for their migraine <laughs> jaws for their, oh, that wow. looked amazing. That great Brooke. Yep. That yeah. No, good. that's, I and, thought you just noticed you looked like you were jerking off two dicks at the same um, time. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, but I was ah! I was in line waiting. TikTok. Oh, yep, yep. You're welcome, social media. I wasn't even planning that. But I was waiting for my turn, and I just heard ah! just like screaming and writhing and punching. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, and the, the nurse practitioner, she was like, have you had Botox? I was like, yes. She's like, okay, so you know that that's not how someone reacts to it. Yeah. And I was someone like, probably yeah. Said the needle phobia. I, Who knows? Yes, yeah, it, for it sure. Ninety year old woman with extreme needle phobia who was Aww. screaming Aww. every t- and they were trying to treat the poor woman for migraine. You know, 
or whatever, but she was in there and then she came out and, you know, because when your skin gets real thin as you get older, like she looked a little bloody and bruised. Sure. Just and from like, the. But then the Botox bulges because it has to settle. So I'm sure, oh, you know, I was like, yeah. Uh, I'm next, I guess. And then I got, <laughs> got stabbed in the jaw. Anyways, should we get into some headlines? Yeah, let's do some headlines. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, well, in news that should come as no surprise to anyone, <laughs> um, on the uh, Eat This, Not That website, I found a great uh, article saying that basically Cracker Barrel is losing customers in oh, 2023. No. I know. Um, basically... They have boiled it down, the, the company itself, so the CEOs at the top, have boiled down the declining number of customers to four different topics. And we'll mm-hmm. get to a few others that I think they missed. <laughs> so first of all, CEOs, uh, who they've run, they've run the numbers, they realize inflation, it's, it's been a tough year, and the reason numbers are declining is consumers are more mm-hmm. worried about money. Sure. And for whatever reason, it's only affecting Cracker Barrel. <laughs> All right. They say oh. also, number two, that their marketing was lacking. Okay. You know? I mean, yeah, I don't think I've never seen an advertisement for a Cracker Barrel in my whole life. I Have guess you- it's all word. It's a word of mouth situation in my world. <laughs> I, I mean, or it's like a or interstate freeway. You see a Cracker Barrel off the freeway. Yeah, I that's your advertising. Yeah. There you go. That's how I learned about Waffle House also, right? Uh-huh. Littered uh-huh. all over the freeway. I have not ever seen a Cracker Barrel commercial, I don't think. No. Huh. Anyways, I've seen very funny TikToks about Cracker Barrel. Yes. But basically, they didn't put the money in, and they're realizing maybe if we don't tell people about this restaurant and we're assuming everyone knows about it, that, that that's that's, you know, guys, you can't be a secret. Cracker Barrel can't be a secret. So... Then on the flip side, the third reason they're saying that the advertising competition from other quick serve, you know, sort of chain restaurants has been fierce. Fierce. Blowing old Cracker Barrel right out of the water. (laughs) I know. Totally. Taco Bell really is is overshadowing the Cracker Barrel ads. I get it. Cracker Barrel. Have you thought about putting flaming hot cheetos in one of your dishes? Anyway. Or getting a signature Mountain Dew flavor. (laughs) Exactly. And Number four, they copped to it. They said, you know, there's probably room for improvement in the guest experience. <laughs> what, you don't want to play that weird peg game every time you come into the Cracker Barrel? Oh, boy. Yeah, now, it is a real, it's a real situation in there. Well, they forgot number five. Their food is mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. I know people love it. I know that they're going for, you know, when you are looking for that quick in and out sort of chain restaurant. And if you're going like, hey, I want seafood, therefore I'm going to Red Lobster or I want American diner style. So I'm going to Denny's and people are like, I want the Southern comfort of Cracker Barrel. People love the comfort of it. Right. But I have eaten there. I take my, I used to take my grandmother. That's the only place she wanted to eat. So I would take her out on little dates and we would go out. I have eaten at Cracker Barrel many times and goddamn, they can't even do the staples right. They can't even do right by them. Yeah, it's it's and it's a real monotone color palette, you know, like everything. And maybe that should be number six. Let's make that number six. Like need to we didn't brighten up the food palette, you know? Yeah, just a just a plate of like lumpy brown stuff. 
with like over stewed anemic looking greens because it's like people want to go get the collard greens uh-huh. and get that country gravy and all that stuff and everything just ends up being a grayish brown color yeah and this is not like a low country this isn't like a soul food type of place like no. obviously this is a real like you know i think i i think number seven coming in hot should i think that they they the big mistake was not all the chairs need to be rocking chairs Yes, even at the table. <laughs> even at the table specifically. Yes. Like they have yep. all the rocking chairs out front. Move those rocking chairs inside. Make it like you're on a ride. Boy, oh boy. You'll get people lined up outside the door. Guarantee it. If the Cracker Barrel's rocking, you yeah. better come knocking. You better know what I'm come knocking. You better Number come eight. Knocking. Number Racism. eight. This is just me. Oh, I, 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 here we go. I'm firing all cylinders. <laughs> Number eight. Put two gift shops on either side of the dining room. So you have to exit through the gift shop no matter what. You know, more sales on the side. People are buying more rock candy on their way out. Or, you know, like, uh, what else can you buy there? Like a friendship bread starter. That seems like the kind of thing that they would sell at Cracker Barrel. (laughs) All sorts of goodies you can get. I mean, and then obviously, like I did just kind of yell out the word racism. But number nine is a problematic... Uh, romantic romanticizing of a bygone era where mm. not everyone had the same rights to yeah. exist in America. Yeah. yeah, it really does have like a like a we're deep in the depression kind of like uh like feels you know like <laughs> it was great there there this TikTok I have to find the user it's so funny but it was a black guy doing a POV of like walking in to a Cracker Barrel and he was like having a panic attack and whip panning his camera to like all the weird gifts and old time is south stuff and he was like oh and he was pretending like he was having a meltdown and then it cuts to him at the table just chowing down the food and it's like I forgive it all you know, which, but uh I mean, number 10, I've never seen any crackers in any barrels at Cracker Barrel. I'm just going to say that. What if they just really like hit the, you know, hit it over the head? Nail on the head with that one. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's a little advertising tactic. Uh, That one's for free, Cracker Barrel CEOs. If you're out there listening. Come at us or don't. Or don't come at us, you know. Like in a positive way. Like, you know, our people will call your people. Don't just at us. Yeah, for sure. You got a favorite dish at Cracker Barrel? Want to prove us wrong? Do you have a hot tip? Should we order this and sub that and somehow maybe enjoy our meal? Get at us, okay? Get should at should us. we locate a Cracker Barrel within our radius? I don't know where the closest one is, but hmm. let's find out. Probably somewhere in Nevada. Most we'll likely. We'll see. Now, okay, so here's this other fun headline if we want to go through it with me, Andrea. Yeah, for sure. Um, this headline is, <laughs> it's like, what are we going from? Uh, it's the alcohol Florida is ordering the most is what I have. It's basically we're breaking down in the warmer months. You may find yourself out to eat is what they're saying. Um, you know, but this is, wait, hold on. This is just saying like who drinks what alcohol in what state. Exactly. That's what this article is saying. Yeah. It was an attention grabbing headline, but they actually break down the sort of misnomers and you'd be surprised which states drink a liquor or possibly an ale that you wouldn't affiliate with them. So basically they thought for sure that the most that would be drank just in general would be beer across the board. Um, Mm -hmm. And that in Wisconsin, that would be the truth, but it turns out Minnesota are the fricking beer drinkers, even though Wisconsin, Ah. Wisconsin has all of, you know, the beer. They they do border each other. So that's nice. 
mm-hmm. but they are uh, roughly 53% more beer per business than restaurant goers in any other state. And that is in the state of Minnesota. Wow. 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 Kansas and Pennsylvania didn't really hit their numbers. Um, And then Kansas, uh, okay, so basically served an upset to Kentucky. Kansas is where bourbon, a.k.a. whiskey, was more popular and then followed by Ohio, but not in Kentucky? That's weird. But Ohio apparently is favoring hard seltzers more than anything. Ohio sold 160% more hard seltzers per restaurant than any other states. That's crazy because Illinois is where White Claw is from. Uh, And that's what put White Claw on the map. Ohio's got to be like all the college kids ordering it, right? Like, like I want to say. If we want to break it down for a minute, I think I'm glad that I came up in the malt liquor phase of drinking bad, cheap booze because I could only drink so much and then I would just throw up and stop. Totally. I can't even imagine spending an entire day slamming hard seltzers. I mean, look, if you're like... If you're if you're camping, if you're out on a boat, if you're like if you're expected to day drink and kind of like you need something low alcohol and you don't want to drink beer all day and you have to like, you know, that's kind of where it comes into play for me personally. But I do think it's like going I'm not going to go out to eat and order a hard seltzer. And actually, I found it when I was just in. And this is my fucking bubble L.A. dumbass. Like I when I was in Omaha, I was out and I was like, oh, they sell hard seltzers here. Like I just like my little my little LA brain was like like you know Whoa. I can get a four dollar hard seltzer and not an eighteen dollar cocktail wow you know I'll do it I'll do it um but you know I think that that is why why yeah anyway but vodka was the most popular spirit in nearly every state um except in Arizona California Colorado Georgia Hawaii Louisiana New Mexico Texas and Utah they were more tequila. Places. We are the tequila people, but the most tequila of all the tequila people is Texas. Yeah, no, that lies, makes sense. no lies detected. Yeah, they consume 119% more tequila than other diners in any other state. Whatever. Challenge me, though, huh? Us, Ooh. we like tequila. We do. We are tequila people. And then, uh, this is not really that big of a shocker, the Atlantic coast with the wine drinkers. <laughs> but more so in Massachusetts. 72% more where I'm like, I'm surprised they're they're not having a beer with a chata. You know, I don't know. Maybe they're having like a nice glass of, you know, red like table red table wine with their, with a red sauce. Maybe, I don't know. I'm I'm seeing like a drunk Massachusetts, a asshole mom, you know, having a uh-huh. yellow tail, just having oh, a yellow sure. tail. Oh sure, or like you know, get on board with like my my sister and my mom and get your you know get, get your your boxed wine, you know. Carry it with you everywhere you go. Carry it, yeah. It's it's for wine drinkers on the go. Um, by the way, this this information came from the POS system in all the restaurants called Toast, which many of you might have worked with. So that's how they were able to tabulate, you know, people who dine in, drink, what have you. Data and making it a hilarious bit on our show. And then a few other fun facts: New York is a gin state. They drank the most gin, huh. and then Hawaii rum. Hello, sure, my ties. Of course. Makes sense. And then Wisconsin again, brandy. 
because they huh. I, apparently they add brandy to their old fashions. Oh, that's interesting. <gasps> Andrea, you got to move to Vermont. That's the place where the residents ordered the most hard cider. Yeah, followed then by Oregon and Washington. Washington. Oh my Probably God. Michigan and Illinois after that, I would I'd imagine. Yeah, amazing. I'm, I'm here for the cider, uh, as you know. It's Great. delicious. Great. That's, uh, let us know if you think that's true. I agree. Obviously, the tequila here in California is legit. I mean... California tech, basically the the Southwest, because it's like we were Mexico, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> at mm-hmm. one point we mm-hmm. love our tequila. Oh, boy, oh, boy, do we love our tequila. And it's botanical based, not green based. That know. makes, you know, so you're not it doesn't make you feel like, I don't get drunk. Hot I can garbage. drink a lot and I also have a really bad hangover. But for some reason, I can't really seem to get uh, wasted. <laughs> <laughs> I can get wasted on tequila that's for sure anyway that's a different episode boy oh boy okay let's get out of these headlines and into some server submitted stories stories here we go hey guys i've been listening to you for around two years or so I heard Henry mention you guys in an older episode of Last Podcast on the Left when we were on the LPN network, and I've been hooked ever since. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So my name is Lou, and I'm not a server, but I've worked in the food industry almost all my life. My longest held job was as a buster for 12 years in a family-owned American diner that mainly focused on breakfast. And let me tell you, I have a lot of stories from that place. Please keep sending them. Okay. But this particular one, I still remember quite fondly. So like I said, my place of employment uh, at the time mainly focused on breakfast. So dinner wasn't as busy as the morning. This happened in, I want to say, 2016 or 2017. It was dinner. All was going well for the time being. At the restaurant, they have two dining rooms. The bigger one they mainly use and a slightly smaller one they only use for when the main dining room gets too full and or like a weekend and they had to do the spillover into the smaller dining room. So it was a steady dinner. All the servers were pretty busy. Then the doors open and dun, 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 a group of kids, probably just one or two years out of high school, come in. So we're looking at like 18, 19 year olds. I'm sure you guys can agree with me when I say you can usually tell when teenagers or adolescents come in, whether or not they're going to be good kids or little shits. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, I could tell these were going to be the latter. There were around five or six of them. They got seated in one of our round corner booths that can fit a five or six person party. The server they got was one of the restaurant owner's daughters. This one, this server was good enough that she always made money, but she wasn't also one to take shit from anybody, including customers. And she also works out and trains in MMA. So she's (laughs) someone I especially would not mess with. Wow. You should be able to wear like, you know, whatever level belt you are. Totally right. To your restaurant job. Yeah. We watched Karate Kid last night. It'd be amazing if you're like brown belt server. Anyways. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like a it's like a kinder version of shooters in Colorado. Lauren. Oh, Bobert's Jesus. Christ. Open carry we restaurant. haven't even fucking unpacked that. Shit. It's anyway, gone. let's it's go. Gone. It's done. Yeah, it tanks. She's tanked, too. Anyways. So the dinner goes on like normal. The group of teenagers are loud, obnoxious, but overall nothing too bad. But 
then it came time to pay. Server dropped off the check. I could see the kids pulling out their wallets and piling money on top of the check. They start to get up, and as they leave, they mention to the hostess that they left the money at the table. The server, instantly knowing that these brats were full of shit, ran to the table only to discover that they had only left enough money to partially cover the total. I'll tag you in. What the fuck? Okay, but one of these idiots had gone to the shitter and <laughs> barely finished as he tried to power walk his way out. The server immediately followed him out and as the idiot had one leg inside his car, she grabs him, <laughs> steers him back and sits him down in the ep dining room and literally tells him he isn't leaving until him or his shitty little friends pay the rest of the bill. And I don't know their transportation situation, but I guess they had taken multiple cars and left this poor sugger to take the fall. So the poor kid sat there for like a good 30 minutes texting multiple people before someone came back to give him the rest of the money. Before he left, the server told them that cops frequently eat there and that they know a lot of them personally and that he was lucky they didn't call any of them. So the bill was paid and the kid was allowed to leave. But I don't know that they tipped or were not. Probably. I'm, I'm going to probably going to assume not. not. Yeah, for sure. Again, this is one of many stories I have from working there. I no longer work there. And now I'm the GM of a fast, casual fish place and I'm loving it. Great. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you. But real quick, he says, I love how you guys talk about certain social issues involved with the food industry or just social issues in general. So I really think you guys should talk about the rising attacks on food vendors all over the country, but especially in Southern California. A lot of street food vendors, especially minorities, are being targeted by thieves, hateful bullies, and even local police. And it's all very tragic. And a lot of these attacks are pretty severe and traumatizing. I suggest you check out the Instagram account. You say this, I can't say this. Yeah, uh, I wanted to get this at an enamorado Alex. So yes. it's spelled E N A yeah underscore. So it's spelled E N A M O R A D O A L E X underscore. Yes. So he's an activist that fights for the rights of food vendors and will confront the attackers in person and is trying to unionize them. Thank you. Godspeed. Good tips. And that's from Luis. Yes. yes. Lou. Louis. Luis. You let me yes. know how you roll, buddy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. This. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. And also thank you for the kind words. And thank you for the great story. <laughs> and keep them coming. Yeah. I mean, if you've, if, if your MMA server walked also, a kid back into the restaurant. Fucking snaps to 12 years as a busser. Like. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's not overlook that. The unsung hero. The the person who knows how to do every job in the restaurant, the busser. (laughs) But yeah, I love I love that the uh, MMA waitress uh, just like sat the kid down like like uh, what's it called? Uh, Like like mafia style in an empty dining room. Totally. We're going to like she's got like the you know, in the movie Scrooge where like the the giant (laughs) hand of like the ghost of Christmas present like picks (laughs) Bill Murray up and like plops him down. That's what I'm envisioning right now. (laughs) Oh, man. God, I love speaking to Bill. Last night we watched Karate Kid and Groundhog Day. We were just having Whoa, a good Sunday. Wow, we've already we've already been getting into scary movies. Like we watched The Hunger with, uh, mm. yeah, with Bowie and Susan Sarandon. It's Tony Scott's first movie. It's a vamp, Hell like yeah. a sexy vampire movie. Yeah, it's anyway, 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 anyway. Please, um, we wanted to thank you because your submission inspired this entire rest of the episode. We are going to talk about the thing. 
as soon as we ask you guys to submit your server stories to sideworkpod at gmail.com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, we are back. Um, So our topic of the day is street food vendors in Los Angeles and, you know, Southern California um, to some extent because... Baby, we've got the street foods. Oh, yes, Uh, we sure do. Um, Since this is a bit more of a researched topic, this is one where Andrea and I can't just bullshit and pull facts and figures and opinions out of our buttholes. We looked to Eater LA, KCET.org, Wikipedia, uh, LA Taco, which I love, and another great um, article from Esquire that helped us piece together uh, the history, which is complicated and beautiful and tragic and sad absolutely absolutely and like who knew so like who yeah i i mean i didn't i didn't know so here we go all right so andrea i would say with this topic we discussed that if we wanted to do it true justice and if we were um more dedicated to it could be a two or three part exactly exactly but what we're doing is for those of you who don't live here and who aren't aware of basically the social ramifications and the history and just how much the street vendor is a very politicized um, and targeted sort of food seller all in our larger, you know, our larger network of people who sell food and serve people for a living. Um, We're going to give you the bullet points just so you can learn and go from there and hopefully do some more of your own research. Or if you come to California, absolutely stop by one of these hardworking people's food stands. So the street vendor, what is that you ask? Okay. So basically it's any type of quick meal that, you know, a vendor can procure from a push cart. They can fashion an old desk into a service vehicle, put some wheels on it. We've seen when you go get the bacon wrapped hot dogs, right? Sometimes they're mm-hmm. shopping carts with like a flat top on top of them mm-hmm. and an open flame. They're kind of crazy. I mean, it can be a whole ta- folding table set up on the corner, um, which would keep the seller a lot more stationary. And this can go all the way up to a motorized vehicle, which is known as a food truck. 
correct. Yes. Um, what yeah. are the things you can get on uh, from a street vendor, Andrea? Oh, my God. You can get tamales. Uh, you can get tacos, which are my personal favorite. Uh, it's You can get elotes. Uh, you can get fruit. You can get hot dogs. You can get flowers. There's, yeah, it, it runs the gamut. And now, you know, because it's become like a much more popularized, popular, popular, popularized, I'll say that. You got um, it. Endeavor, um, hot chicken, burgers, barbecue. Like there's all, you can get Pretty much any kind of food Anything from a street you vendor want. these days. And since we are obviously focusing on the food aspect of it, I think it's worth noting that there are vendors who are set up on like Olvera's, Olvera Street or different areas. They sell makeup. They sell, if you need a quick pair of headphones, you know, so th- you can kind of get anything on the streets of Los Angeles. But we're focusing on the food because that's the delicious part. So, mm-hmm. okay. Essentially... Street food vending began in California, um, actually right before it technically became a state. But this was mm-hmm. in the 18, 1870s with the recently migrated Chinese and uh, Mexicans leading the charge with this delicious, quick meal grab that you could do in the streets of basically all centered in downtown Los Angeles. And immediately the city tried to outlaw it. Um, and so and it's going to be first of the many times that they have tried to outlaw or criminalize selling street food. But the food was just way, way too fucking popular with the people. And so basically the era of renegade fast food begins. Absolutely. And a lot of this was, you know, like the railroad was like coming into town and like there were a lot of jobs coming this way. And it was like a stop on the way to go up to San Francisco to like if you were going for the gold rush, things like that where people settled. So this is just, you know, the street vendors were the first people like on the scene to be like, you guys all need to eat. Right. Well, and and maybe in other parts of the country, uh, I'd have to go back and definitely fact check but when we did the history of where diners came from that also came from a little cart that would serve the third shift workers when they got out they could come up to a cart and get a hot cup of coffee and a sandwich and so basically all the immigrants who've come to america created all of our best food and all of our best cultures so anyways uh This blew my mind and I loved it. So this is the birth of what were known as the tamaleros of Los Angeles. (laughs) Tamaleros. Um, So that's what they were called. They started appearing in L.A. basically around the 1870s. And then by the 1890s, the tamaleros, meaning tamale sellers, um, they dominated downtown Los Angeles and were spreading to the other cities around basically Southern California. So the competition spurred the innovation to, you know, sell the most and the best tamales. Um, This is an article in Esquire by Gustavo Ariano, who I love. He's a correspondent for KCRW. He's on all the programs. Everyone loves his coverage of Orange County, the whole OC area. He's very political and on point. Love Gustavo Ariano. So basically these wagons, horse-drawn wagons transformed into portable kitchens with functioning stoves on fucking wagons. And they would illegally tap into the city's gas mains and water pipes if need be. So on the outside of the wagon, they featured counters so as many as eight people at a time could dine around the wagons. And I, which I just love the vision of that. It's almost like, almost like one of those horrible, um, cycling bars yeah where you all cycle at this <laughs> yes. there's like 12 people that cycle at the same time that's exactly what i was thinking about but just instead you're just like stuffing fat nice moist tamales into your face instead yeah 
Oh, I love it. I love it. You're just you're just saddling up to the uh, Tamalero wagon. So the Tamaleros sparked their fair share of controversy amongst business owners and city residents. Um, we're talking about people who were proper brick and mortars are starting to get pissed. Um, but they never got successfully banned. Um, so by the turn of the century, the city had agreed instead to force tamale cart owners to pay for their operating licenses. Sort of okay. like, let's get you above board. But also they knew this would be a way to weed them out by trying sure. to make them cough up money for a license. But what it did was only help to destigmatize the markets for tamales without slowing it down, which is great, really fucking cool. Um, so Gustavo goes on uh, to say that Arriving strangers, first time in Los Angeles, were just like enamored at the presence of so many outdoor restaurants. Um, but basically, again, like I said, the, the actual dining establishments in a building were getting real grumpy and pissy about it. So and I can't, yeah, and I yeah. can't believe it took almost sixty years for the tamale cart trend to peter out. Like, you know, it, that it's crazy to me. I mean, I'm also like, I wish I would was around at those times. <laughs> <laughs> we say that, but yeah, no, just, we would be like, food. help. Just, oh my God, I know. <laughs> Wouldn't make it. Uh, but basically, so that that kind of petered out for the tamale counters and the traveling wagons of deliciousness around the 1920s. But then in the 1930s, tacos, basically, I know this is, this is the Andrea era, you know? <laughs> Yeah, they, they I mean, became the I'm, I'm in my taco era. <laughs> I'm in my taco era. I mean, and when you think of Los Angeles, you have to be honest. You think taco before you think tamale. Oh, um, yeah. And it, well, it's just tacos were obviously all the rage um, with all of the Latin Americans who really lived here and were making, you know, our populace what it is. Basically, tacos became like ooh, they had the stranglehold on street vending. Um, but also um, the thing I wanted to note is that in the beginning of this, and it's hard because you want to go deep in the history and not be insensitive, but Chinese migrants and immigrants were 100% another part of it. But at that time, there was actually a lot more racism and policing of their carts and their vending. And because they lived in areas of the city that were more, and these are the words from the article, ghettoized. Oh, yeah. It made them harder uh, made it harder for them to get their carts into the downtown area. And then they also dedicated a huge part of downtown to be like Olvera Street and what it is right. now. And it it just, the, the favor and circumstances pushed more toward the Latin Americans and the Mexicans being able to dominate our food market as much as people counted on and did love a lot of what the Chinese vendors had to offer, but they also faced so much racism as we'll get into. Oh my God, it, it's totally crazy. Like even just reading about how like then Chinese vendors, instead of like selling on the street, were forced to go door to door to like right. sell their food. Like, which, which of course, who wouldn't give up? Like if that was right. the new law, right? Right, yeah. right, exactly. And, and you know, so, it, and it was also just a sentiment just to be like, oh, this is dirty food from unknown, swarthy, mm -hmm. dirty people. You don't want to eat that. And just a lot of, you know, basically the the racism and the sentiments around that traveling about. Anyways, so I, it's not that I'm trying to skip over or we're trying to gloss over the history of the Chinese totally. migrants. It's just that's a whole other thing. Again, do some research. It's very interesting. But we didn't want to skip out on that. So uh, same time. Still downtown, still love going there. Basically, when 
city officials realize like these street vendors aren't going anywhere. Maybe we should adopt their business model a little bit and market it. They opened what we have, you know, as Grand Central Market, which what's the one in Philly? Um, what's the big one in Philly? Like the big, oh, the big free. Uh, oh, I can't think of it. Anyway, sorry. But when you have your downtown centers, which big cities have that have all the food stalls, they have, you know, you can get your oysters shucked. You can go then to another stall and get a beer. You got someone selling Philly cheesesteaks. So this is our version of Grand Central Market. Um, is it the Reading Terminal Market? Oh, yeah. I've been okay. there. It's awesome. Yeah, okay. the Reading Terminal Market in Philadelphia. Um, and then obviously downtown L.A., there is urban manufacturing exploding everywhere. So people working downtown, building the skyline as we know it, people wanting to just walk off the job for a quick bite and, you know, keep it casual. Um, obviously, all of the tra uh, train lines, as Andrea mentioned, were, you know, starting to converge downtown. Mm -hmm. And so that basically, you know, helped basically uh, like create a renaissance for people to get fully mobile trailers at this at this time. They could attach their trailer to the back of their car and go out to where the workers were also, which is like I was talking about the advent of, of diners and Greek diners being like, hey, we're going to go. These people are working in the middle of nowhere. How are they supposed to get food or get fed? And then to pop up and the novelty of that was just a huge hit with workers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically having a quick bite under the open sky was just this huge part of American life um, by the 1940s. But then the 50s came along and what happened, Andrea? <laughs> Fast food comes around. So with its speedy service and drive through windows, you know, obviously giving me appealing option to enjoy reasonably quality, you know, food and affordable price point. That's, you know, you don't have to get out of your car. Many Southern California residents chose to spend their money on um, chains like McDonald's and like, you know, Glen Bell's Taco Tia, a.k.a. it's going to become Taco Bell, you know, Um but what's worse, fast food chains uh, often co-opted the same meals that had previously been considered street food staples, right? So that right. homogenizes the, you know, and commodifies them and until they look like they're a far sight from the original product, right? So people are, something shiny and new is there. Obviously, we have the innovation of like the fast, how fast can you make burgers? How fast can you do that? Instead of just, you know, and, and big the golden arches. Obviously, they're making a big show out of it. So this makes food vendors like take a backseat for sure. And and this really truly is like the story of America. It's like who can basically kind of steal off the backs of the original, oh, you know? Fuck yeah. It's mm -hmm. like whether it's music, whether it's food, whether it's anything we know. But you can, though, say for corporations, you know, like Glenn Bell's Taco Tia, which is the funniest <laughs> fucking thing that that's what became Taco Bell as we know Dong. it. Dong. <laughs> like a run for the border. God, we love talking about Taco Bell. And it was I was this this d many days old when I found out it used to be called Glenn Bell's Taco Tia. <laughs> Never knew that. Really didn't. But you can say these huge corporations, though, bring Mexican food to the masses, mm -hmm. whereas maybe only people in Southern California had ever had a taco. A place like Taco Bell, granted, they do the gringo style. But then and if it gave someone a taste and wanted to explore more of these flavor profiles, then maybe they're more likely to come eat to an be like, authentic oh, taco. Maybe I will eat at that like taco vendor that's been like stationed around the corner from where I live for probably 10 years every weekend now, you know? Yeah. So anyways, this there it was just a real collision of basically 
innovation and a bunch of capitalism all happening at once. So the street vendors absolutely took it took a hit when fast food came to light. Um, and the other part of it is like, okay, so obviously it's never gone anywhere. Our city is filled with street vendors everywhere you go. There are only a few areas that, um, from what I saw in these articles, are absolute no-goes all the time. You can't be near the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes. You can't be near, like, the Hollywood Bowl. And Other- that's a newer law. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, that was cracked down in, like, 2017-ish. Like, it was, yes. like, you used to, they used to be everywhere. I mean, there's nothing better than, like, you're about to get out of a concert, you're half-cocked on alcohol, and you can smell the bacon-wrapped hot dogs, the- like... Like, you know, you, like the smell just like lingers up, up the up the mountain and into your nose, into your olfactory. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, that a bacon wrapped hot dog saved my life one time. Um, <laughs> they have been known to save lives. And you are it's so it's it's those push cart shopping carts. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I the ingenuity is something because then it just has like a pan, like a sheet pan from an oven oh, on it's top like, of it. I know. It's like it's like you're doing a sheet. It's, it's like you're doing prep work in a kitchen, you know? Yep. Yeah. But you're just pushing your hot dogs and I don't know what the heat source is. I'm not gonna ask questions. It's but gas. It's, mm-hmm. it's just gas on an, okay, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it is sizzling these dogs and this bacon to perfection. They're able to saute the peppers that they throw on it then and then all the mayo. They are so freaking delicious. I know. Give me all the hot dogs. So All right. So I'm talking about that this is everywhere, but it has been a huge fight with a really troubled history for people who are coming from places like Guatemala, uh, you know, Central America, South America. They're they're coming from everywhere because there might be so much political violence or corruption or just no opportunities. And they can come here and they can sell food that is representative of who they are, their culture. And then to also connect with other Latin Americans here who are like, this tastes like home. And it's it's. A beautiful and for a thing. lot of, and a lot of immigrants, you know, what I read, this is their first job that they have when they get to the States. And what else is possibly available? Because as we know, sometimes people are not above board. Sometimes people are not legal citizens in most cases. Right. But sometimes you, you get trapped in a shitty restaurant where like the, the owner knows for a fact that you're illegal and threatens to call immigration on you all the time. Like I was just talking to a client about like she worked at a place. She's from Israel and she worked at a place like that, you know? Yeah. I think just basically the point is these are really hardworking people with a dream. And what happened in this city is the criminalization of what they were doing, which when we think about it, too, like you can you can you can put this on many stupid things in our culture, like the fact that we try and call plants illegal, you know, cannabis Mm -hmm. illegal. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking plant, you know, or someone coming here to make you food that is loved to them that, that can, you know, like it's their language, it's their personhood and to just selling you food we're like let's turn them into criminals so right absolutely and you know like nine times out of ten the people who are like making these laws are just like shoving tacos in their face all day of course they are because love the food hate the people right not yeah not not good you gotta love the food and love love the people love their food Mm -hmm. and so this obviously comes down from like different levels of bureaucracy and very like white expanded you know, Los Angeles, you've got homeowners associations coming down, being angry that there is, you know, food being grilled anywhere in the proximity of their mansion. Um, small business owners who had a chip on their shoulder the entire time. Um, basically, they're like, you're allowing immigrant and their customs to flourish on the sidewalks. And they wanted it to basically make the street vending super duper illegal. Um, and so, the workers really banded together 
and uh, really tried to push back against all these battles against them. Um, they went to media outlets. They were attending council meetings, uh, city council meetings. But basically, there were just all these really complex um, negotiations, um, compromises that were made, like like halfway measures where it was like, you're sort of criminal, you're not, or your license expired, so I'm going to arrest you because you sold me a taco. And this went on with which is these workers having like, they're like, go ahead and do it. It's just tomorrow might be the bad day for you. Mm-hmm. Like it was not clear cut. It's like, so everyone was doing it, but there's a chance you might get your whole, you know, set up, knocked over by cops and you go to jail that day. Then you come out and then they don't care that you set back up. So it's like, what, it, like, what is that? You know? Yeah. And so basically just the street vendors persisted no matter what. Um, and it it took basically the year 2008 was a big, big turning point um, where they got together with a bunch of different councils um, around Los Angeles and uh, they came together in the year um, 2018 to finally legalize street food vending. So it was a 10 year sorry, street food vending. It was a 10 year battle to first so it wasn't that it was legal. The best they could do was in the year 2016, just decriminalize it. Right. Which is another weird gray area. So weird. Um, but you know why? Because they'd already been in talks for eight years, it was Trump taking yes. office. Yes. Who that was pushed the needle. Yep. And they were like, like, we have to decriminalize this because he wants to make like all immigrants criminals. And the California was like, we can't do that. We can't be we can't be that person. So well, because we'll he, decriminalize it. Exactly. Because yeah. he yeah. signed like his first 30 days in office. He signed an executive order saying anyone who's an immigrant, um, one basically one criminal offense and you'll be at the top of the You're list out. to be deported. Right. And so I I love and I give so much credit, even though it, it's fucked up and it took a long time. But it was that moment when. When everyone converged together to say we cannot have someone no. who is selling churros on the street be deported that is that is a step even too far even as shitty mm-hmm. as we've been so they agreed and they hustled to decriminalize and then two years later fully fully make it legal um but it still fucking sucks it is still it totally. such a hard and scary job to do this work there's so much pride and sweat equity that goes into doing these setups. And these vendors are still harassed all the fucking time, whether it's cops knowing that it's perfectly legal, just want to be dicks. It can be people from the community who know that they make their living taking cash from you and they'll mm-hmm. fucking punch you in the face and take mm-hmm. your entire day's wage. Drunk um, assholes that mm-hmm. that that video that cropped up a few months ago of those stupid asshole like young college girls that were like drunk and like licking their hands and touching the food. Do you remember when that happened? I'm just like, what? Like, yeah. So it's it's a lot of racism. It is still like it is unhinged restaurant owners. It is unhinged people coming from their gilded castles and their neighborhoods to tell people to go back to their country, even though they do live here and this is their legal business. Um, There's just so much fucking hate uh, against street vendors in L.A. And that's a really really unfortunate truth that when you're like did you watch that video and I'm like it's really hard to watch these videos oh absolutely yeah the Instagram handle that we mentioned before Mm -hmm. of like you know the guy yeah it's 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 really really difficult to watch it and I'm just like of course I'm just like these are just they're just fucking tacos it's just fruit like what are we chill people what is like yeah 
just like have a bite and relax. Like- relax. It's LA. That's what makes this city and this area great. Because the other point, it's a it is an economy. The street food vendors generates five hundred and seventeen million dollars wow. in economy stimulus. Um, and it, it is very much like a it is an immediate potential to have a job for anyone who's newly immigrated. You could have veterans or people who are shut out of normal opportunities who are allowed to street vend as long as they've got their license and paperwork. But we've just got so much hate because we look at people as less than or not full citizens or you're from somewhere else and get off my streets. Um, I mean, these carts are also providing like nutritious, like fresh, lovely food to areas that may not have that. Well, you that know? was that was part of the argument that helped push the needle in the favor of street vendors. You know, we have food deserts here in L.A., as they mm-hmm. talk about in inner mm-hmm. cities. We have so many areas where you cannot get um, a decent bite to eat that isn't. <laughs> we were talking about Stouffer's French bread pizza earlier from from a Rite Aid, you know, <laughs> where it's like. You can only eat so much of that before you're like, I'm going to have a fresh cooked meal. Of yeah, I'm going to go like vegetables. walk around the corner and get like a cup of mango with like, you know, tahini on oh, it. Tahini all over it. Mm-hmm. Yum, yum, yum. Oh, tamarindo. Um, but basically, so it's we can't tell this history and, you know, there's so much to brag about, but there's just such an ugly side to it where we have to, as a city and people be awake to the fact that these people who are our most vulnerable, really in the economy are being targeted unfairly and really aggressively. I think last summer was the worst summer on record with like 126 attacks on street food vendors. Wow. Some end up getting murdered, which is just wild and sad. Um, Or you just have people where someone will take, I mean, there was just this horrible story of a guy got attacked in front of his neurodivergent eight-year-old daughter they beat the snot out of him, took all of his money, took his car, and then and then also take their business, which is they'll run off with the cart. Right. Um, or completely destroy it. You know, or, yeah. everything. Or yeah, just that's smash all you it. have. And that and that is it's 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 that is their brick and mortar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That and it's not just business. like people who are like, you know, robbing. It's like cops will come and destroy them it's like it can security be. guards if you think you're in the wrong place i watched a video that was like a food vendor just trying to like get cover from the rain and like got a bunch of shit right. from a security guard from like a strip mall and just like right. i don't you know it yeah it can be kids from your own fucking community who are just stupid pieces of shit too you know it, i think the um pandemic and just everyone financially having a really tough time could possibly be feeding into you know people beating down on each other harder than they have I mean we've just seen people lose their fucking minds the past few Mm -hmm. years and so what do we do we punch down on easy targets right oh yeah and absolutely if if you're also desperate for money you're going who's an easy person to take forty dollars from and it's like the solo vendor who you know all you can do is shake them down and so we didn't want to like tell you all this without including, you know, th- this. And we hate to sometimes like not have a solution because we don't know what a solution would be right. other than to know that it happens, right? To follow and get food news and cool cultural news from LA Taco. They're also so good at covering all the street vendor attacks. Um, to know that, to know that this is legal what these people are doing. Yes. So if you see them being harassed, they have every fucking right to be there. Yes, they do. And you can run up and interfere. It, at least make someone believe there's someone who's documenting that they have an ally, that you're like, I got eyes on you. 
you know, um, cause obviously what are you supposed to do? If someone's coming with a gun or a knife, like, you know, obviously we're not going <laughs> to be like vigilante hero in that, in that situation. But I think the most important thing to know is it has been a hard won battle for our LA street vendors to be perfectly legal. Absolutely. And, and, and to know that they're within their rights to do what they do. And, you know, I would just say like, and if you know vendors near you, like go support them out, meet them. I have seen, I love the food vendor scene in this town and I have seen like small operations go to giant operations. I'm Mm -hmm. talking like the new taco stand opens up. We try it two months later. We drive by there's they're they're 50 deep. You know what I mean? And it's the hardest work. It's like, you have to basically like set up and break down an entire restaurant, like kitchen every single night like you you cannot forget to pack an ingredient into the van you know what i'm saying you cannot forget um you know and i think it's i love how normalized it is here and i obviously i want nothing but safety you know measures for everybody who who you know it's because your people are a lot of vendors are open late you know and you're again you're just out there on the street it's like it's it's not you know you're not in an indoor space it's not as safe but like Asia, South America, like so many open food markets. Like this is like night markets. This is the norm, you know? It is. Yeah. And I think to know too, that it's just like you can fight back against, you know, people in your neighborhood. If they're starting to cause a stink about there was this big night market that got closed down near the Lincoln Heights area where Mm -hmm. it was a really um, profitable situation for many families where this had been allowed what is it called i'll look it up the alley one that was happening i know what you're talking about yeah this one was um uh the the uh the avenue 26 night market got shut down by gil cedillo um and the fact that to just listen to the loudest and angriest and probably whitest people in a neighborhood going like we hear music and when they had been complaining about the noise um basically everyone who was participating in Avenue 26 decided to turn down the music to out of respect for everyone in the neighborhood, but that wasn't enough. They were like, well, actually it turns out that was our excuse to get our foot in the door. We just don't want them here because we don't want their kind. And so it was a huge money-making opportunity for so many of these independent vendors. And it just got a big fence and cement blocks put around it with no notice one night. And everyone pulled up with all of their product, all of their meat, all of their everything ready to buy and just took a huge financial hit. So there's just, it's a real hard, risky business. So I guess, yeah, our takeaway is like support it tip. Well, Angels Tacos. I fucking love going. I'll be 40 oh, deep so good. and go get it. We have Angels. one out here too. Now yeah. there's one. There's one by me and there's one by you. You know, and I just, yeah. And I do I do think a lot of this builds community and like why the pushback is happening is just, I mean, it's it's just a it's a shame. It's fucked. So support your local food vendors is all I will say. Buy the fruit, buy the tacos, buy anything they're selling, and you report back to us if you guys have, you know, any any feedback, positive, negative, you know, obviously. Like where if you have, you know, one-on-one experiences with this, let us know. Uh, yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, awesome recommendation. And I'm really, really happy because I got to do some research that I was not aware of as That's much as I think I'm aware. Yeah. Of honestly doing this podcast with you, Brooke, is that we tap into so many topics where we are. I, I constantly have my mind blown by what we are learning and we're able to put out for our listeners. 
100%. So 100%. we love the opportunity to do it. And we hope you liked this episode. And uh, yeah, yeah if, we, if we missed anything major, get at us. You know, we're not professional researchers. We just nope. have hearts of gold. I know. We just <laughs> want the best for everyone. So fucking leave us alone if you know. <laughs> uh, you can tell uh, us if we missed something yes, or if we're stupid. Please do. We, we learn from our mistakes. We're humble people. Um, so great. Well, great episode, Brooke. You guys, again, server submitted stories, cyberpod, gmail.com. Other than that, Brooke, you know what we say at the end of every episode. Indeed. Godspeed and good tips. Go get some yummy street food. Yum. I'm starving now. Starving. <laughs>